I think missions are really powerful and being able to articulate them. And I would have struggled actually when I first set it up because I thought to myself, I just want a really good recruitment business, you know, that generates money, that we make lots of placements with high profile clients. But the underbelly is actually a lot more exciting when you can get really good people together. That's Paul McClatchy, founder of Engage People, an award-winning financial recruitment firm set up in 2016. Paul speaks openly about building a culture which attracts, develops and coaches business leaders of the future. And that is one of the secrets behind the success of Engage People to date. In this episode of Your Truth Shared, we look at the speed at which success happens when you take a more conscious and strategic approach to business growth. I'm Finola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. We started working together maybe about three years ago, Paul. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah, 2019, yeah. Yeah, I was just, it's actually nearly to the date. I was just checking this morning. And what I loved about starting this conversation with Paul about marketing was he came to it from a different perspective. He wanted to do it differently and he wanted to do it differently from a values perspective. That always really, really interested me. But we will dive into that in a second. What I'd love to do is maybe start the conversation about Paul's own journey to actually starting his own business, because I think when we go from perhaps working in a corporate environment to tipping over into uh, becoming self-employed and creating an organization ourselves, I think it's always very interesting to learn the motivations. So welcome, Paul. I'm so happy you decided to join me. Thanks so much, Fanola. A, a, a pleasure to join. I, I've been listening to your other guests now, and I'm, uh, I'm certainly very, cool. in very good company. Cool. Thank you so much. So what's interesting to me about your journey is you started, you were always in recruitment. You were in recruitment for 15 years before you started, You before you uh, set up Engage People, and you actually got to director level. So many people would say, why would you choose to switch then? So can you share with us this journey that took you to engage people? Yeah, sure thing. So I'll, I'll, t- I'll take you back a little bit to, to my uh, interest in recruitment and, and sort of um, okay. how, how that came about. So, uh, and, and given you're, you're uh, based in the Southeast, so uh, we used to spend our family holidays in Tremor, um, yes. uh, and which were v- very enjoyable. I, I can only remember sunny days, so I'm, I'm in the early 80s, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not sure if, th- if that was the case. But apparently I was uh, a devil for going over to other families' rugs and towels and sort of chatting away, <laughs> you know, so I was sort of gre- gregarious enough from a young age Apparently, uh, I, I think it was at a time where people probably freely mixed a lot more. And if so, if so, if someone went out of sight for ten or fifteen minutes, it was probably less of a concern. But uh, <laughs> so I actually, I, I was obviously in school then in Dublin, and I returned to the southeast. So I was in college in, uh, in Waterford, so I ter- thoroughly enjoyed my time. I, I suppose you got to a junction. I think after I did a business degree after second year in college, you could go down the route of accounting, 
banking. Uh, there was one or two other sort of uh, sort of more what I would describe maybe more technical areas, and then HRM, which was human resource management. And in in uh, you know in looking at what I had studied up to then, I really enjoyed the organizational development side. I enjoyed the training development side. I had very good lecturers. Um, so it was sort of a simple enough choice for me. I then, when I graduated, uh, I looked around and I liked the sort of the people aspect. I suppose I was somewhat sort of target driven and sort of my mindset. Um, so recruitment seemed like a natural choice. There was a pal of mine whose uncle was the finance director of Reed, who were one of the bigger UK outfits, um, and I'd actually done my thesis on the impact that the internet was having on the recruitment sector. So, so what I tell oh. some of the youngsters about life before the internet now and fax machines and stuff now, I sort of get a blank face. But um, so it was obviously sort of. A, yeah, a different time. Um, I, the, the real turning point for me from a career perspective, so I was very lucky in that I went to uh, Australia and spent two or three years there, worked for a company called Parker Bridge. And I guess just the culture in terms of having everything aligned based the type of people I was working with, you know, it would have been competitive, um, very high standards, full on now in terms of you had to be at your desk at eight o'clock. And it was, it was one of the 8 a.m. It was one of these places you just didn't, you didn't, you just didn't arrive in late. Uh, and you're all, uh, very often working to eight o'clock that evening uh, but I loved it and I was working with really good people and worked with lots of the investment banks and lots of big sort of um, you know some big Australian companies and I, I probably got quite a bit of confidence from that then just being able to uh, step in you know out of my comfort zone and, and uh, perform at a reasonable level um, so I came back then I'm, I'm the youngest of five kids and stacks of niece and nephews and stuff were arriving on the scene I thought geez, I, as much as I love Sydney I'm probably not going to stay here forever uh, so it was mm. it was one of these decisions I procrastinated on and pushed it back three months six months etc but eventually uh, I think it was Christmas then 2005 2006 I'd said I'd come mm. back and uh, CPL were sort of the big story in town I, I, I spoke to a few people I trusted and um, it, w- it was really sort of taking off basically as an organisation it achieved a lot more growth, so so I joined uh, CPL then in two thousand six. So even even choosing your own career, you were strategic. Yeah, somewhat. I I, I look. I'm very lucky for now. I, I I love working recruitment, you know. And I, I suppose I am. Depending on what you look at, a, a mm. one trick pony that I've only ever worked in financial recruitment. So so very often people who join our sector, they join from maybe being an accountant, a solicitor, etc. Uh, so I, I have nothing really else to compare it to, other than to say, um, you know, just the fulfilment that I took from it, both both in terms of, you know, that that placing people in roles and, and um, you know, the value that creates basically for, for both parties and then just the opportunities that were presented to me from a leadership perspective uh, were, were, were sort of the big, uh, the big attractions. Cool. And then in CPL became director. Yeah. So, yeah, look, I, I suppose I, I you, 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 there's a junction really and it's it probably similar to a lot of sectors. You know, I know it's the same, say, in the legal space, maybe accounting, etc. You, you, you can stick at it basically in terms of, uh, you know, having a successful desk or you go down the sort of the leadership route and the leadership route is sort of like, you know, you don't necessarily get paid a whole lot more and you get a lot more sort of in terms of challenge and stuff to deal with. But I, I'd sort of reach a stage where I want to take on more responsibility. Uh, I, you know, in, in terms of the, if I look back now, lots and lots and lots of learning experiences. I think 2009, 2010 was, would have been a big junction for most people. I, the vast majority, mm. well, I'd say probably 60, 70% of people left the sector at that point. It was, I'm, I'm sure there was there were more challenging spaces to be in, but financial recruitment, as you can imagine, in 2009 was, was a tough enough yeah. place to be. Uh, you know, from, yeah, just from a morale perspective, it was... <clears throat> trying to sort of you know there was far 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 higher number of individuals looking for jobs and there were jobs you know and we're 
maybe in sort of the opposite market here at the moment, which, which is obviously interesting. Um, so I, I stuck at it, and I, I, I was sort of always target driven. I, I would have always read business books about what's next, what's next, what's next, and to me that that sort of job title of director basically was always the one that I sort of had my eye on, um, and that would have been. You know, something I was delighted to reach at the time. Uh, you're, you're going to ask me next, then, as to you know, at, at what point then did I, did I decide to move on? Um, look, I, I, I was listening to David and Netwatch, and he was saying about his previous employer that it maybe became a little bit close to the top, and and you know, there was maybe a lot of people in mm. similar roles, and uh, and I, I I would only ever say positive things about CPL. I mean, I was one of the management team, so if I was to say negative, it would be a reflection of me, to be honest with yeah. you, as much as anyone. Um, but th- there would have been people working with Anne Harry who'd been there you know 10 years previously and if I was really honest when I looked at it I always thought to myself I, I had the desire ambition to run my own business um deep down that was sort of always the goal and then just when enough people are saying it to you, you know I, I'd be sort of out and about at events or bringing people to you know whatever it could be a rugby match or something else and, and you get chatting about business and it was always an area of interest to me and I think when you have enough people saying to you look I, I, I really feel strongly you should give this a crack yourself uh very lucky to have the support of my wife that's so interesting because you know so many people are trusted kind of confidence or family members will often try to dissuade you from opening up your own business because of the risk so it's interesting that you got the opposite yeah yeah and 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 very often from clients and that would have given me the confidence to you know to Mm. take the steps myself um and you know i mentioned there my wife maria was, was was certainly very supportive um was it a big decision? Look, it, it was to a degree in that it, it's it's hard in a way that you, you spend a huge amount of time at a, a team of about 25 people. I'd been to weddings, christenings, funerals. Yeah. I, I was personally responsible for hiring a, you know, a good chunk of those people. And I feel you, you make a personal commitment when you hire someone. So when I was sort of stepping away, there would have been a, you know some level of guilt at the time. But yeah. you, you sort of have to make decisions about you know your own career and what's best, and it, it wouldn't have served me well if I'd sort of stuck around for that reason. I don't, or, or probably for anyone for that matter, if I'd stuck around uh, out of a sense of loyalty. So, what's interesting now, right? So you, it, so it was natural, right? That's what you're saying to us. It was natural, and uh, maybe you procrastinated that one a little bit as well, maybe for a little bit, and then you jumped. So you jumped, and you. Um, came up with the name Engage People. Tell me what was when you started this business, because remember, recruitment is known traditionally to be very sales driven, performance based, like you said, it's often considered to be cutthroat. And so this was the thing that most interested me about you, that how you wanted to do it differently. I'm not saying specific companies are like this, and I also have worked in recruitment myself, so in the States. So I know the dynamic of some of it. So you want to do it differently. And even the name Engage People interests me. So we threw in lots of ideas, PM recruitment, Paul McClatchy recruitment. And then yeah. I thought to myself, I, I had a, maybe an ambition beyond it being the, you know, the Paul show. Uh, and I, I liked the sort of the verb of engage people. And, and really, when I looked at different sort of processes I'd been working on over the years, engagement on both sides was sort of the number one piece, but both from a, you know, a re, you know both from a business feasibility perspective, but also from an enjoyment perspective. I never really wanted to be in a situation running a business or having people on the team where you, you sometimes 
within recruitment, you can have what I would call a sort of a parent-child relationship whereby you're constantly doing your best to please someone who's, you know, they may or may not be happy with the service you're offering. Whereas I felt with there's a good level of engagement starting out, uh, it was much more enjoyable, much more fulfilling. And, and thankfully, it's, re- you know, resulted in a, you know, a, a low level of attrition on the team because I think we sort of coach and develop people to have that mindset. But let's pause. Let's pause for a moment. So, it's a very self-aware piece to talk about parent-child relationships, to talk about if I change the relationship from the very beginning and coaching and training from the very beginning, from the outset with the people I bring on board. That's a very self-aware piece to come to the table with. So where does that come from? Or is that, yeah, where does that come from? It's simplest to just ask it directly. <laughs> I think from managing teams as a relatively inexperienced manager and sitting opposite people in one-to-ones and listening to the challenges that exist and constantly feeling maybe you know we're on the sort of the back foot and, and thinking of tactics of how we can win people over and then th- this is purely this stage of development i was at myself you know r- rather than it being a uh, reflection on any of the companies i worked with um and and then really thinking about maybe running through a process of asking questions, first of all, before really getting into any discussion about what roles we're working on or speaking about candidates. The, the first question a lot of companies will ask you is, what candidates do you have for this role? And the first mm. question a candidate will ask you is, what, what jobs are you working on? And if you're straight into, you know, answering the question with, without really getting a fundamental understanding of what they're looking for in the first place, it, it may not slow you down at the start, but it it, you know, certainly it'll slow you down in the longer term because your role then in the process, it's it's really a commodity. You know, you're you're a lot of the time the the individuals on both both sides they won't really necessarily value your role in the process, and and there's quite a bit of influence you can have at the final stages in terms of getting ma- making progress, both in terms of representing the company to move things along. You know, you're you're effectively an ally of the organisation. You're really very much sort of in their corner, and vice versa. And, and if you don't have an understanding of either party's natural motivation and, and the start, as, as we both know, the start, the best time is at the start because if it, it's halfway through. If you're trying to get to know someone, they've moved on, basically. They're, they're comparing this position to the other positions they're looking at at the moment. And if you have no relationship there, it, it, it's, a fr- it's a fruitless enough task. But that's so that's interesting because of the word you used, commodity. You decided from the very beginning by observing what was happening that you would decommoditize the offering, even though the offering is, you know, when we think of commodities, we think of products and um, gold or coffee or whatever. Uh, but it's decommoditizing that service by actually getting the jump on it right from the very beginning to actually not control the relationship, but definitely influence the relationship. Is yeah. that correct way of saying yeah. it? Yeah, very much so. Not being passive. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll just tell you a very, a very brief story. And and, and this would have had a reasonably profound effect. When I was in Australia, when I moved there, I was looking for a decent enough apartment. I wanted somewhere sort of that was reasonable to live. And there's there's thousands of Irish backpackers who are sort of coming and going. And, and because I knew I had a sort of a four-year visa, I was going to be sticking around. It was really tricky with the state agents because you had to, uh, you know, try and take, you know, a long lunch or take a day off work, et cetera. And a lot of the time, the, the place had been rented out. So there's a company called McGrath 
over there, basically. I thought there might be an Irish background now. There, yeah, I had a good look at the website at the time. Now, I, I think it's sort of uh, certainly a longer term uh, Aussie company. But the guy at the start of the process took me through a, a number of questions. Basically, I think it was seven o'clock in the evening. Wanted to know everything. I had shown bank balances, you, you name it, all sorts of different references. And then he collected me on a Saturday and showed me three properties and said, "Look, you, you can have any one of these if you put the deposit down today." And I just thought, like that, that this is exactly what I'm looking for. You know, it was just a much better process that that would have influenced me and, th- and then thinking about the recruitment process then in terms of rather than getting into a sort of an email type correspondence piece you know l- looking at the level of service then as being a differentiator yeah because so many people struggle with how do i uh, find my point of difference i mean this is the question that i'm asked all the time how do i actually make myself different to all the rest how do i stand out and you actually made this conscious decision to influence the nature of the relationship so that it was that you had a deepening, a deeper relationship from the very beginning and that decommoditized what you did immediately. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. So talk to me or share with people about this idea of when we first started talking to each other, it was this idea of values and we spent a good bit of time making sure that, and you will have heard from the previous episodes, this idea of we didn't want values sitting on a wall. Mm. And I know from experience that engaged people definitely didn't have values sitting on the wall. We actually went in, you did a whole piece of work to actually have the voice of your team choose the values of engaged people. Yeah, and I and I think and and I I, I know it popped you, I know it recently enough to to look back and and reflect and say thanks for the the involvement you had because it, it was a crucial stage of our development of, uh, as a business. Um, I think firstly, so if I was looking at three points, it was point A, 2016 when I set up the business. Point B when we started to work together, and point C where which is now. I think the first few years was very much a sort of a leader and followers type mindset. And I I looked around at businesses that uh, had gone okay and it was similar basically. And I I hadn't properly sort of learned and I probably spent the initial years thinking, well, why can't everyone just get up to speed as quickly uh, as where I want them to be? And, you know, it's it's a common enough mindset, I think. I was going to say an Irish business, but I'd imagine, you know, in in business, you know, globally. So it was around the time we started to work together then. I started, look, I actually want to create more leaders here, not not more followers, basically, because ultimately it's going to be very hard. And, and it, for me, from a fulfillment perspective, regardless of how, you know, and thankfully the business has always been performing at a reasonable level um, and, and as you know, has really sort of, um, I don't want to say taken off, but we've made great prog- progress over the last sort of two or three years in particular. So I think working together on the sort of the three or four areas and, and you would have spent time with each of the, the team um, mm. we, we, we'd, we'd, uh, I would say quite a high level of attrition back then for not the, the people I was selecting or we were selecting to join the team they were very good people but were they exactly what we were looking for from a skills perspective you know from an outlook perspective I would say probably not and I, I looked around the sector and I just you know I said look this is just the way it goes but but the reality is it you know if, if you can really really invest time in your own structure and having a good clear sense basically about what the expectations are and that they're aligned to that you're giving yourself a much better chance of success um i think the three areas john i'll, I'll summarize them uh, so we, we spoke about shaping a better future which was a lot was really focused in on you know 
our pride as being a sort of a small Irish business. And I, I was sort of taken aback because I'd worked for a larger company. The amount of organizations who wanted to work with and engage people and know that, that it, was, it was me at the other end of the phone on a consistent basis. So they were working directly with someone. Uh, and, and the reality is, and this is the other surprising thing, we could charge much higher fees on that basis. You know, I think that maybe the, the mindset is when you're working with some of the bigger companies, uh, you can negotiate harder from a fees perspective. And, and that surprised me. I would have gained a lot more confidence I went on of just saying, look, th- this, this, is th- this is the fee we're working with. And I'm very, very rarely disputed, whereas previous in the larger companies, it would have been heavily disputed you know, in the experience that I'd had. But also you solved a problem in, in the scaling problem, which is you knew that people would automatically want to work with you and you made a decision that, because I love this statement, which is I wanted to create more leaders than I wanted to create followers. And that automatically addresses the issue of people just funneling direct to you. And in actual fact, you do create this team of leaders who grow your the business of engaged people all together because ego didn't step in the room. And, and I think that was probably the key piece to for, for me to take a step back and realise that, that e- mm. e- even though you know, one might think basically that they don't, you know, that it's not sort of ego driven, but the, the, the reality is it, it's, you have to create an environment where people have the best possible chance of success. And if your attrition level is high or people aren't stepping up or you find yourself, you know, on an ongoing basis being frustrated with the people around you, it, it's really the first place you have to look is the mirror because it's ultimately it's not going to change unless you make the decisions then to create the right platform. Now, don't get me wrong, it certainly it didn't happen overnight. Um, and I was extremely lucky, you know, with Michael, Sinead, Stephen, and then lots, lots of other people who joined since who had the ambition to step up into leadership roles. Uh, but it's been very, very enjoyable, uh, the experience over the last few years uh, working together. The other thing I remember is they appreciated that they – because there's often lip service given to this idea of having a voice in an organization and being able to be part of how that organization is shaped. And for, I know from speaking to your team that they loved that they were part of this process and it empowered them to be vested in the growth of engaged people. And you have had this great success of award-winning success consistently over the, since you started, like you're, you're in business since 2016. It's not a long time for a business to have achieved so much. Um, and bravo, I have to say that. Uh, and it's the thing that I always loved about working with you was you went as things evolved and I, needs were identified that would be really beneficial to the long-term strategy of the business even if how things were constructed, you went with it. Like you weren't rigid, you weren't narrow in your focus of what was possible. You saw an opportunity, you tested it, you did measure. I also remember that you are performance focused and and I've always appreciated that. And what was interesting is you went with the flow of where, you, where it needed to happen. Um, and I do must applaud you for that. Uh, the other thing that I'd love to you to talk about is this idea of self-care in business. Yeah. So um, well, I, I spent last week, actually, I was over at a conference uh, that, uh, with uh, Professor Steve Peters, who wrote the book, The Chimp Paradox, and he, he's uh, subsequently written um, uh, various other books. I, I think he's super, basically. Um, he worked with the British Olympic team in 2012. Um and obviously, as, as you know, I do some work with Shane Craddock and, and both mm. it's, it's very much around sort of state and state management. Um, 
re- recruitment similar to other. And, I, and I would say actually the vast majority of the companies we work with and the individuals I work with, because I have similar conversations, uh, they're challenging you know, you, the, the higher the, the level of responsibility you take on, the more expectations you have, then that's just purely your professional life. Then you've got family life, all, all manner of different sort of competing tasks and so forth. Um, and if, you're, if your sort of state drops, basically, or things aren't going well in one area, it's extremely challenging, I think, you know, to try and keep the show on the road. Um, so for, from a and – I, I sort of have three – F spacey that I go with now. It's nothing rude. You'd be happy to hear, but it's sort of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, focus, fit, and fun. And the fit piece is sort of mental and physical. Um, and I try, I try and promote this across the team. J- just a brief mention on the physical side. So, look, I, I'm, it's always been a you know a, something of an area I feel lucky that you know I played rugby at a decent level for years and years. I cycle a fair bit and stuff now. I've always gone to the gym. I, I think having an outlet, basically, where you're not thinking about work is, is really, really useful, you know. So whether it's cycling home, I, I know uh, you, you like to jump into the sea and, the, you know, there's, there's lots and lots of different uh, sort of experience that people go for. But I think if you're rushing at the door of work and then rushing home, and that's natural enough or you're rushing straight out and the door in the morning going to work and, and it's just constantly uh, stuff that sort of you know work is in your face or your other stuff is in your face it, it, it tends to you know creep up in you quite a bit whereas I think having a, you know an area and interest a little bit of break I, I think to me is good and it certainly worked very well um, as a team basically that there's a gym quite close to the Dublin Sports Clinic so there's a sort of a session at 12 o'clock on Thursday no pressure there's no roll call or anything like that basically if people want to show up uh, I was surprised and I think the first time we went I, I think a 11 out of 11 people went you know and there was great interest in it fantastic and yeah I was away last week I, th- I think most of the guys went we've lunched together then after that and have a chat so you have so with your team you're even bringing that idea of self-care into your team yeah and and ju- just on the the mental side like w- within recruitment there's any number of different challenges that can, and, and, and you know as I mentioned to you basically this is across almost every sector we work with you know something might fall out basically it's, and it's not uncommon that on a Friday someone might have accepted a job and be on a three month notice period and they might get an email on Friday afternoon saying listen I'm really sorry I've accepted a counter offer I'm not starting you know it could be a huge deal that you've worked on for months and months the, the fee piece is is is, is hurts a little bit but it's usually gosh the amount of work that's gone into it you know and your sense of fulfillment then from the success that you felt you'd achieved in terms of you know uh, getting the deal over the line um so the first thing i would do is just empathize with them because i've been there myself you know hundreds hundreds of times unfortunately chat about it and it doesn't come from a place of sort of judgment what you know what could you have done better there's always time for that basically a later stage so i think we're quite supportive on that front because it does happen mm. it's extremely painful particularly you know the, the market that we're in at the moment um and then it's sort of dusting ourselves down basically coming back the next day um i'd mentioned about the fun piece look we try and have, proactively have a bit of crack in the office now like there's uh the, the, the running jokes i'm 44 now and there's people in the office who are 22 you know so there's, there's obviously a, a sort <laughs> of a, 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 a an age gap between between us all I, i'm sort of somewhat young at heart now and uh, there's people from all different parts to the country and all sort of different uh, sort of areas now. So that, that's a regular topic of conversation. So I think, you know, with a small business, you have, you have a lot that you can influence, you know, on that front uh, and, and to be supportive. Um, I think from a, a catch-up perspective, and w- one of the things that the 
Steve Peters' conference about that last week. Um, it was very much around just clarifying expectations, you know, and I think maybe where environments can become dysfunctional is that people aren't really that clear about what the expectations are. They're not really that clear about the measurement of the expectations and they're not that clear about the consequences. Um, and and co- consequences sounds like it's a very challenging thing. You know, if I don't do this, then I'm going to lose my job, or, you know, but it, it's trying to be, you know, proactive, basically, obviously, as a business to be successful, uh, there needs to be objectives. You have to have we, some companies call them KPIs. We like to call them drivers. You know, we think that's a little bit more. It's um, people tend to take responsibilities. So, you- so in in how do you do that? Engage people because I I know that like to share with other people as a as a recipe for other people. How are you being clear and managing expectations? All of that kind of stuff. So we very much work cautiously in terms of what the goals are. And there's, there's usually one sort of overriding goal and maybe three sort of sub-goals that fit into that. Uh, w- one of those sub-goals is usually metrics-focused. So it's a sort of a driver. Um, and we break it down basically what the objective is for that person to achieve in that particular quarter. Um, it depends on the level. We have two apprentices. When they started out, it really could be as, as basic as the number of people that they're speaking to who are getting you know to a stage where they're being submitted to our clients and then you, you work that sort of up the food chain so it depends on the level of experience someone has but we start slowly you, you give someone a really good foundation get some good early wins under their belt basically on that front and then as they take on more responsibility uh you know obviously the it, it becomes um the tasks become you know higher in the value chain and more challenging um you, you reach a junction well, i'll just mention the driver's piece the second piece is usually around sort of training and development I'm at point mm. A. I want to get to point B. It is self. It, it, it's it's we, we do a sort of a self audit piece now. We're, we're members of there's a um, a British based organisation called the Recruitment Work Network, and there's any number of different sort of uh, templates and stuff that are really useful. Uh, but we try and have a sort of a self audit piece where people assess themselves and be proactive about sharing where they're at now and where they want to get to, and we'd sort of work our way up then, you know, within that particular area. And where they want to get to in their career or where they want to get to in the objective for this quarter? We keep it quarterly for that for that particular conversation. And then we'd have annual conversations around careers. as an aside from that, though, for now, because of the market we're in at the moment, I and the management team, we, we, we meet people every quarter and sit down and chat to them about where they're at at the moment. And I'm really, really proactive from a salary, from a benefits perspective. I, I break it down. So within recruitment, and this, this would have been similar when you when you worked in recruitment and, and you know, probably the last no, number of years. Uh, it, it, there's a very good book, Greg Savage, who's an Australian author, wrote recently. It's generally in the range of someone's revenue is – you know, 200,000, they should expect her and maybe a third of that basically, you know, in salary, commission, benefits, et cetera. And there's a few, there's a few different moving parts around that, depending on how much business they, they generate themselves. We try and keep a lot of it values focused and, uh, you know, around basically what they're, um, you know, what they're adding from a team perspective. Uh, I would say probably once a year, basically, we ask, uh, you know, people to do a sort of a 360 assessment, but it, it's, we're having very regular conversations basically about how people are performing both in terms from a fees perspective and then, you know, in terms of from the, the value side of things and what they're doing over and above or, you know, in, in addition to the day job. So it's, so it is leadership of your team very much quantifiable, even from a values perspective, but definitely a map of where someone should be in the organization at each point. So if they're an apprentice, 
there is a lower expectation because they're on a high learning curve, et cetera, et cetera. So you've actually mapped the journey to a successful recruiter. Is that fair to say? Yeah. And and we're 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 trying to go a step beyond that now. So we're we're sort of implementing uh, submissions across the team, basically that would be sort of inspiring to the people who you know work with us at the moment, um, and that they feel basically because we're 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 in ourselves. We want to grow. We're, we're sort of twelve or thirteen people now. Um, I, it's it's not a case of wanting to double that in the space of a year, basically. But we're thankfully uh, we're in a good space. We have a good client base, and we see opportunities to grow. We, we've just opened up a, a legal division now, which would keep certainly keep me busy for the next while. Uh, we're working with James is coming on board. Um, one of Sinead's missions basically is is to make. Um, things as transparent as possible for people to step up into a leadership position. Um, it's it's really evident to us in the conversations we have that, uh, it, and, and this is a cliche, but it's a, it's a hundred percent true. Uh, we we call them Pauls and Paulines now because it's easier it's easier to have conversations. Pa- pa- Pauls will very quickly put their hand up and say they want to step up, whether they're qualified or not, to take on more responsibility. If there's a you know a glimpse of a promotion, basically Paul is straight in there. Uh, Pauline. And these are sweeping generalizations now, but we we do come across this quite a bit because we we could be speaking to someone about why they're potentially leaving their role. And a lot of it is opportunity focus that they've been in a position for two years and they don't see the opportunity there. So Sinead would be very proud of the fact that as a business, basically, that we're proactive in sharing exactly what's involved and encouraging people and, and, uh, you know, nudging them along, basically, where required uh, along the way, rather than it being whoever puts their hand up. And, and you know, from a leadership perspective, it, sometimes if you're black and white in these matters, you can think, listen, if someone is asking for promotion and they're, you know, they're, they're prepared to go out and grasp it, they're, they're the one who deserves it. But it's probably a short-term mindset. And I think having more clarity, more encouragement that everyone gets those opportunities, I, I, I think is a, good, is a good way to go. It strikes me this consciousness of how you're growing this business. You're really, you break it down, you see a challenge, you address the challenge, you solve it, you move on to the next thing. But it's very conscious. It's, and also I think quite unusual. Yeah, I, okay, I, I think just having external, uh, you know, uh, keeping an open mindset um, around some of the training development that we do and lo- looking to the future that, so if, if I find myself in a conversation with someone who's potentially joined the team, I, I want to really make sure that I'm articulating the opportunity in the company as well as I possibly can. And mm. there's surface level um, information I can share. But I think missions are really powerful and being able to articulate them. And, and I would have struggled actually when I first set up because I thought to myself, I just want a really good recruiting business, you know, that that generates money, that we make lots of placements with high profile clients. But the underbelly is actually a lot more exciting when you can get really good people together. And you know, it's incredibly hard work, as you know. But if you mm. can drive those missions that inspire people, I think that's, you know, it, it, it really enhances the culture. I love it. That's a really good way to finish that conversation on. I want to ask you one other question. High point and a low point in growing your business? I think that probably the two high points have been the, the, just the last two Christmases. We, we sort of achieved both of our um, our sort of revenue goals, probably a bit ahead in terms of where we, you know, people had sort of stepped up um, and achieved promotions. Basically, you know, they, they'd set out their own objectives. Um, 
brought some really, really good people in, um, particularly towards the end of last year. Like the, the start of 2020, as you know, like with five people and COVID came. Um, I, I know the technology recruitment sector base was largely in touch, but finance recruitment was was different. I have to say there wasn't as many people mm. work from home. Uh, general insurance recruitment was really walloped you know that, that was very much the call center focused there was no real allowance for regulation where people could take those calls from home you know if you were ringing up about your pension or your car policy um, was was it a suitable conversation with for you to have with, with someone working from home at the time you know the, the the regulation was 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 tricky so we had a lot of people due to start jobs and the, the jobs were basically paused you know some of them you know never got going again very challenging conversations to have. So that that would have been a particularly challenging period. I sort of knew deep down with a good team though, and I sort of assured each of the uh, people that we had, you know, which, which we thankfully we still have. And we've, we've uh, uh, I'm always touch wood when I say this now, we, we, we've a, a very low level of attrition, which is obviously a positive. Um, mm. But I, I, I knew we'd good people and it just, it never felt to me as challenging as maybe 2009 because I, I felt that things would come back around. So Mm. working through basically 2020 and then coming out in the positive sense was really good. COVID was a nuisance. You know, there was lots and lots of different stuff cancelled, both in terms of stuff we were going to do ourselves and interviews and stuff along the way. But then getting to December last year in a really positive space and, a, and bringing in lots of people was, was a highlight. I, I would say just probably before, for now, or in around the time, if you remember when you and I were first chatting, we had a high level of attrition. Um, I was being pulled from pillar to post. I, I don't remember I'd back surgery that year and it was, it was various other stuff going on and keeping the show on the road. Um, thankfully, from a profit perspective, we were always there thereabouts, but there, there was times where um, my account would get in touch. Like we've contractors and we sailed close enough to the wind and I, I just had to make decisions at that particular period of time and say, right, look, I, and, and obviously that's when I decided about the, the leaders and followers piece. You know, I thought like this, this is, I, I'm the one taking all the challenges on my shoulders, taking all the risk and, you know, Sinead, Michael, they, they were relish more opportunity then at that point. And I think, you know, just working together and moving things forward then even towards the end of that year, actually we made progress. And then obviously it found ourselves in 2020. Yeah, fantastic. Bravo. Anything you'd say to your younger self about what you'd do differently? Yeah, look, I, I, I think a healthy mindset is not not to have regrets, right, in the first place. And I, I know that's not the question you're asking me. I, I, no, I, think, I like that, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think just, and this was a lot of the piece around, the, you know, some of the stuff done recently. I think being calm and putting one foot in front of another and not panicking you know so it, it's the nature of our business that someone's going to go through a period of time where things aren't going quite as well and i can rise up and get whatever way you want to describe it angry angsty demanding threatening or else you'll just be calm and say look we're at this is where we're at, at the moment <clears throat> there are consequences to things not moving the right direction and you can apply this to all, all areas of your life but you're, you're sort of it's much more empowering and you're taking on much more control if you're able to map out the steps to improve rather than you know using the stick rather than the carrot um you know, I, I think, and this, this just comes with age, and I, and I say this to the guys, and I'm not sure, and I'd certainly say this to my nieces and nephews and stuff, as you become more experienced, you care a hell of a lot less about what other people think. Um, but I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's changeable for teenagers or people in their 20s, because I, I certainly did care, and I would have mm. been very, very focused in on how I was performing, both from an ex, you know an existential perspective. It was 100% around my, you know, how I was doing the league, or what, whatever it was, whether I was getting picked for the rugby team, or, 
you know what weights whatever it was basically it was much much more focused in on um you know how i was performing against others rather than just having really good habits and give myself a pat on the back now there's still a little bit of the of the other piece and hence got into awards and, and desperately, desperately wanting to win them. But I, I, I think... To, you know, and winning them. Yeah, yeah. well, I think there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a healthy balance in there somewhere. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for taking the time. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much, Paul. Thanks very much, Fernando. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Paul check out the Engage People website at engagepeople.ie and look for them on LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter as well. If you'd be so kind to share this episode with someone you know who would find it valuable, I would greatly appreciate it. If you'd like to reach out to me about the podcast or anything else, you can connect with me directly on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Fanola Howard. And I'll be back again next week with another guest. And until then, take care.